0: Hello and welcome back to weekly political pep talks, where we discuss major political headlines and issues within the United States.
1: After a one week hiatus, we're back again.
0: I'm Vishal. And I'm Leo.
1: reveal last week's quote of the week, we'd like to thank all of our listeners. From the United States to Germany
0: to Canada, you all have been so supportive of us, and we really appreciate it. Today, we'll reveal last episode's quote of the week, then once again move on to our headlines, then get into our main topic for the episode, which will be the Olympics.
1: Finally, like always, we'll end with a quote of the week that relates in some shape or form to the main topic.
0: All right, well, it looks like it's once again time to reveal last episode's quote of the week. Vishal, would you repeat the quote for our listeners?
1: I would love to, Leo. Last week's quote was, quote, it's time to use the antitrust laws and to break up these conglomerates that have now poisoned our democracy. Leo, would you like to reveal the mastermind behind this quote?
0: I sure will, Vishal. The person who said that quote is, drumroll please, 2012 and 2016 Green Party presidential nominee, Dr. Jill Stein.
1: Shout out to Joe Fields for answering correctly go follow him on Instagram at jcool9yt. Great job, Joa, and thank you so much for getting involved with
0: the podcast. Now, without further ado, let's get into some headlines. The
1: first headline I would like to introduce comes from CNN, and it is titled, Biden calls on New York Governor Andrew Cuomo to resign after a report details sexual harassment allegations. On Tuesday, August 3rd, President Joe Biden said he believes New York Governor Andrew Cuomo should resign after a report by the New York Attorney General's office found that Cuomo sexually harassed multiple women. Now, for those who aren't aware of the current situation, the allegations against Governor Cuomo sexually assaulting women began in December of 2020. The first woman, Lindsay Boylan, wrote a series of tweets sharing her allegations for the first time. The most notable one being, yes, Cuomo sexually harassed me for years. Many saw it and many watched. Obviously, this tweet dropped a major bomb, as many people saw Cuomo as a respectable and well-mannered person. Later on, Lindsay Boylan went more in-depth with her allegations, in which she accused Cuomo of acting inappropriately with her.
0: So, is this the only person accusing Cuomo of sexual assault? And if not, how many women have accused him?
1: No, Leo, as a matter of fact, Boylan's action elicited other accusations from 11 different women, all claiming that the New York governor had harassed them. Virginia Leah Mattis, Alyssa McGrath, and Annalise are some of the women that accused Cuomo of inappropriate touching. In the beginning of 2021, the New York Attorney General Letitia James released a statement that her office would conduct an investigation on the case. And just this week, James shocked the country by summarizing the allegations against Andrew Cuomo are true and saying that his action violated multiple state and federal laws. Now, Leo, just to be clear, Governor Cuomo is a registered Democrat and his political beliefs tend to lean more on the progressive side. Right. So my question to you is, do you think Cuomo would receive the same amount of backlash if he were not a Democrat?
0: All right. So now let's get into our opinions on this topic.
1: And Leo, I'll let you go first this time.
0: Sounds good. So I strongly condemn Cuomo's actions of sexual harassment, and I do agree that it should be called out on all sides of the aisle. Just as many Republicans did not believe the rape allegations against President Trump, many Democrats are hesitant to call out Cuomo's sexual misconduct. In this way, I think that all sexual predators, of which there are many in politics, are horrible people, and no one should be excused from these kinds of heinous acts because of their political party. That being said, I also support Biden, as well as both New York senators, calling on Cuomo to resign. However, we also have to look at how it might just have been because once the investigation confirming Cuomo's actions was finished, it would have looked bad if Biden didn't call on Cuomo to resign. So this may have been more image-oriented than anything else. Nonetheless, I'm glad it happened, and I'm glad that Cuomo's actions have been called out, and I hope that Cuomo steps down from his position as governor as soon as possible. Vishal, why don't you go ahead and share your thoughts?
1: All right, Leo. Well, I for one believe that Cuomo would receive much more hatred and backlash for his misconduct if he were a Republican. Looking at our country's demographics, it can be seen that the younger generation tends to be more liberal, while the older population seems to be more conservative. As a result, there is a certain social stigma with youngsters in the Republican party. Now, the listeners might be wondering, what does this have to do with the volume of hatred Cuomo would receive? This can essentially be answered looking at a practical standpoint. The world runs on technology and the younger generation is simply better at using it. Like even me and Leo are more experienced with social media than our parents. It's just a fact. So what does this mean? It simply means that hatred and backlash posted on the internet mostly comes from the youth. So for these reasons, I believe there would be more hatred if Cuomo were part of a separate party.
0: All right, so I think those are some interesting thoughts, and now let's move on to the next headline. The next headline that I'm going to introduce comes from NPR, and the headline reads, The Biden administration issues a new eviction moratorium after a federal ban lapsed. So let's start with a quick definition. A moratorium is a ban or a temporary prohibition of an activity. So an eviction moratorium is a temporary ban on evictions. The moratorium that expired last week started in late 2020, and the reason it was put into place was to protect renters who had been affected by the pandemic and would have become unable to pay their rent.
1: So Leo, would you quickly explain the circumstances that caused the CDC to start the moratorium?
0: Of course. So as we all know, millions of working class people lost their jobs during the pandemic, and many continue to even now. This means that millions of Americans were also behind on their rent payments, and large numbers of them started to get evicted from their houses by their landlords. So if an eviction moratorium wasn't put into place, we would have seen an even larger spike in homelessness than we already have, and the number of people living on the streets would have been disastrous for spreading COVID-19. An eviction moratorium in this way protects the people who have the most to lose from being evicted. Landlords, however, are often very well off, and any disadvantage that they face because of not being able to evict tenants is compensated by the many stimulus checks that we have received. So anyways, the eviction moratorium expired on July 31st. Now, Leo, if you don't mind
1: me interrupting,
0: how long did it take for the moratorium to be reinstated? It took about one week for the ban on evictions to be reinstated at the behest of President Biden and the CDC. This was all thanks to Congress people like Representative Cory Bush, and Representative Ayanna Presley, who camped out in front of the Capitol building while almost all other congresspeople went home for recess. Cory Bush specifically has been a major advocate for the reinstatement of the eviction moratorium and, dare I say, the reason millions of people are in their homes and not on the streets right now. This new moratorium that was instated will expire in October, however, only about two months from now, and already there are calls for a longer ban on evictions to be put in place. This is, however, a relative win for tenants and renters in need of homes during these tough times, at least for now. So now let's get into our opinions on this topic. Vishal, why don't you go first? Yeah,
1: I'd love to go first. So I'm in favor of Biden and the CDC's extension of the eviction moratorium. However, I do not think it will pull a country out of the housing crisis we are currently facing. First off, eviction moratoriums do their job in preventing families who are behind on their month's rent due to issues caused by the pandemic from losing their home. However, this ban on eviction does not solve the issue of high housing costs. As a matter of fact, they make the situation worse by discouraging construction due to less people wanting to move since they have the moratorium as their fallback. The best way to take on the housing crisis, at least in my opinion, is to ease up on the governmental policies that discourage construction. These trends are closely tied to the local regulations needed to construct a building. Let's look at an example in California. A worker was denied a permit for a housing project because the plans might have covered 18% of a park at a certain time of day. If this worker had gotten a permit, more houses could be built, which in turn could lower the housing costs in the area. Since more houses are available, and this isn't the only case, there are many other instances where a worker was denied a permit due to his or her local area's regulations. So if all of these people were able to get a permit for their project, they would drastically lower the average costs in the housing market. And for these reasons, I am not in full support of the eviction moratorium, but I do believe it does its job in preventing families from being evicted from their households.
0: Alright, I think those are some really good opinions. So now let's move on to what I think. So I, for one, strongly support the eviction moratorium. I think that it does many great things. For one, it helps lower the homelessness crisis that we are facing by ensuring that less people are on the streets and more people have shelter, especially going into the fall and winter of 2021. Secondly, it helps stop the spread of COVID-19, because people living on the streets and not staying home are more likely to come into contact with each other and spread the virus. This is specifically an issue in large cities like New York City and LA. Finally, we have to recognize that the people who aren't able to pay their rents are not this way because they are lazy or not hardworking, but because they have been affected by the pandemic. Some have lost their jobs, some have had their salaries lowered because employers aren't making as much money. The eviction moratorium has helped these millions of people and has ensured that they have shelter for at least a little while. This is why I think that the moratorium should be extended past October, at the very least until the pandemic is completely under control. One problem that I do have with the moratorium, however, is that it only ensures that people who are living in houses now will stay in them, but does nothing to address the homeless individuals who are in need of housing right now. Other than that, however, I do support the moratorium and I do think that it should be extended. Now let's move on to our main topic for the episode, which will be the Olympics. So today's main topic is going to be sort of a compilation in which we'll discuss multiple political issues regarding the Olympics. And indeed, there have been quite a few.
1: As always, let's start with some background. The Olympics, as I'm sure all of our listeners know, are an international sporting events in which thousands of athletes from all around the world participate in a variety of competitions.
0: The 2020 Olympics were supposed to take place in 2020, but were delayed until 2021 due to the COVID-19 pandemic. They're taking place in Tokyo, and they started on July 23rd and concluded on August 8th.
1: The modern Olympics have always been an event full of political controversy
0: and political statements since its very beginning in 1896. Boycotts have been used to make statements against a host country, and competitors have used their platforms to make statements in solidarity against racism and other forms of hatred.
1: This year's Olympic Games have had their fair share of controversy, beginning with the suspension of runner Shikari Richardson from the United
0: States track team. Richardson was kicked off the USA track and field team after she tested positive for marijuana in early July. This caused many people to speak out against her disqualification for many reasons. For one, Richardson only used marijuana to help cope with the emotional tragedy of her biological mother's death. She also apologized and admitted to using marijuana. Additionally, recreational marijuana is legal in Oregon, the state where Richardson used the drug.
1: All this, however, is nulled by the fact that the team rules say there is a one-month suspension as punishment for testing positive for marijuana, despite the fact that it is a non-performance-enhancing drug. This is significant because it brings to light the extremely high standards we hold Olympic athletes to and the high and oftentimes unrealistic expectations we have for them.
0: These standards are much harder to reach specifically for Black women like Shakari Richardson due to racist standards and prejudices. All of this brings to light the issue of how we should think of and treat our idols and what standards we should hold them to.
1: Moving on, another major controversy regarding the 2020 Olympics is the fact that Russia isn't participating. Instead, the Russian Olympic
0: Committee is... After an investigation found that the Russian Olympic team was injecting its members with performance-enhancing drugs in order to give them a better chance of winning, they were banned. A good documentary that discusses this topic is Icarus, which tells the story of the Russian doping scheme and its banning from the Olympics. After this, the country of Russia was banned from the 2020 Tokyo Olympics.
1: However, Russia's athletes, the individuals themselves, are not banned from participating. So, the ROC was established as a way for Russian athletes
0: to compete, but not represent their country. By this, we mean that they cannot present the Russian flag or anything like that, but the athletes themselves can still participate in the games.
1: This whole issue brings up the question of whether or not the ROC is a loophole that allows Russia to escape their punishment, or is it just a fair way to allow competitors who themselves did nothing wrong, to not miss out on the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that is in competing the Olympics.
0: This really boils down to whether people think that the Russian team deserves punishment or do the competitors deserve suspension too. This is more of a personal opinion and we'll discuss that a little later on.
1: The last major political issue regarding the Olympics this year was the Simone Biles case and her decision to not participate in the team all-around
0: final. Simone Biles, for anyone who doesn't know, is an American gymnast who has won numerous gold medals at previous Olympics and is an all-around very decorated athlete.
1: Biles announced on July 27th that she would not participate in the team final so that she could focus on her mental health, which is greatly affected by the insane pressure put on her.
0: USA Gymnastics also made a statement applauding her for prioritizing her well-being. While some applaud Biles for making the tough decision to prioritize mental health, others reprimanded her for, quote, letting her team down.
1: At a personal level, Biles' decision is a way for her to be able to focus on her mental health and ensure that she does not mess up in a way that will hurt the team even more.
0: The idea here is that if she were to compete with the mental health issues that she was facing, she surely would have performed poorly and prevented Team USA from placing at all. Instead, without Simone Biles, Team USA got the silver medal in that competition.
1: On a wider scale, however, Biles' decision is a way to raise awareness about the importance of mental health, specifically for Black women and Black girls.
0: As we mentioned before, social standards are typically much harder to reach specifically for Black women.
1: Biles' action also make her a role model, not only for mental health prioritization, which is also important in today's hyper-aggressive social environment, but also as a courageous figure that young people
0: can aspire to be like. Overall, Biles has become a symbol of the importance of mental health and a beacon of what it means to take care of yourself. This all brings up the issue of whether or not Simone Biles was right to not participate in the final in order to focus on mental health. Now
1: I think it's time to discuss our opinions on the three topics we just discussed and on the 2020 Olympic Games in general. So Vishal, why don't you start off? I'll start off with the Shikari Richardson case. Now, Richardson was suspended for using marijuana, and this suspension caused a lot of controversy. In my opinion, I believe that Richardson should have been able to run because she was using a drug that has no effect in enhancing her athletic ability. I think the rule on marijuana use for the United States Olympic team should be revoked and future athletes should not be penalized for using this drug. In regards to Russian athletes being able to compete for the Russian Olympic Committee, I see no problem in this because these athletes were not guilty of doping in 2016. And also, they do not represent their country, rather a committee of Russian individuals. For the listeners who don't agree with me, we have to understand that the Olympics is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, so robbing individuals who did not cheat seems unfair. Finally, for the Simone Biles case, I agree and praise her actions of deciding to take a step back and deal with her mental health issues. However, I feel that she should be asked to either compete in the Olympics fully or not compete at all. In individual competitions, if an athlete were to pull out, there are no replacements for that athlete. So it seems unfair to the people that didn't qualify for the event. So for this, I believe that athletes should be asked to pull out of all their events if they don't want to compete. Therefore, they could find a replacement in time.
0: All right, I think those are some very valid and interesting opinions, Vishal. So now I'll get into what I believe. In regards to Shikari Richardson's expulsion from Team USA, I believe that we have to recognize that athletes are human too. While we often think of athletes as these kinds of gods and we hold them to unrealistic standards, they are regular people. And we have to understand that regular people make mistakes. Richardson herself even admitted and apologized for using marijuana, acknowledging the mistake that she made. I think this quote from Richardson sums up best. Quote, I'm human, I'm you, I just happen to run a little faster. And I also think, as you said, Vishal, using marijuana should not be grounds for kicking somebody off Team USA. Now, onto the controversy about Russia and the ROC, or Russian Olympic Committee. I do believe that Team Russia should face some form of punishment for their actions of giving competitors steroids. But we also have to recognize that not all athletes did this. So I believe that Russian athletes who did nothing wrong should still be allowed to participate. And I think that the ROC is a good way for them to be able to. After all, being an Olympian is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that should not be robbed from an athlete due to the actions of a few teammates." Finally, in regards to Simone Biles, I strongly support her decision to prioritize her own mental health and to not participate in the final. First off, there was another athlete to take her spot, so in no way was she letting her team fail. In fact, Team USA still got the silver medal in that competition. Also, I think that we must look at a mental health injury just as serious as a physical injury. An athlete wouldn't be able to perform properly with a sprained ankle, and neither would they be able to with the mental health damage that comes from extreme pressure. I think that we have to normalize talking about mental health and ensuring that we are able to take care of people's mental health. Overall, I think that there were indeed some bad decisions made during these games. But if we as a whole can sympathize with and view all people, even Olympic athletes, as real people, the whole world will be a better place. All
1: right, that was well said, Leo.
0: All right, Vishal, it looks like now it's time to move on to our quote of the week.
1: It sure is. I hope all our listeners enjoyed last episode's quote and had fun guessing it was former Green Party presidential candidate Dr. Jill Stein. All right, I hope our listeners are ready for this week's quote. Although it's quite short, it is, quote, you cannot mix sports with politics. What a quote. If you have a guess for who said it, DM us on Instagram at weekly political pep talks. That's it for now.
0: Leo, sign us off. Happy listening and stay political.
1: For more exclusive content, visit weeklypoliticalpeptalks.com.